0: Hey guys, this is Pastor Philip Slaughter at First Baptist Church in Mansfield, Arkansas. And unfortunately, our sermon did not get recorded this past Sunday, but I want to walk you through 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. We've been going through 1 John, and I know some of you have been listening online. Some of you may have been listening in here on site and missed this Sunday. And I, I don't want there to be a hole or a gap in the uh, study in this text and so we're going to spend the next few minutes going over 1st John chapter 2 verses 1 through 6 in verse 1 John begins this chapter by saying my little children so right away he uses this term of affection and endearment he he is older at this point and he is referring to to the people to whom he is writing as his little children and, and this is a term of affection john has spent his life pouring into these people and he feels as a spiritual father to them this is a a phrase that paul used a couple times that jesus used in the gospels and uh he's saying my little children i'm writing these things to you so here's another piece of evidence that this is probably a letter that john was writing because he says i'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin so what's the purpose of him writing well, he's given us some already in chapter 1 that we may have fellowship with each other, that we may have fellowship with God, that our joy would be complete. And, and here he's telling us, he is writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Uh, now, we know that this cannot mean that he expects us to stop sinning completely just by studying this letter, studying his writings. The reason we know this is because in chapter 1, he tells us that we're going to continue to sin. He says that if we say we do not have sin, then we're a liar. He he says if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar, even in, in verse 10. And so he tells us to confess our sins in verse 9, and that God would he will be faithful and just to forgive us. And so we know that he's not saying he's writing these things so that we can read this and never sin again. So what is he saying? He's saying He's writing these things so that you may not sin. What that means is that he's encouraging them and exhorting them to not sin. He's challenging them to, to be faithful to Jesus, to obey God, and and to do those things in a way where they're striving not to sin. So I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. What he's really saying is so that you will strive to live a holy, faithful life to Jesus. But, if anyone does sin, so here's more evidence, he immediately turns back to if anyone does sin and acknowledging that, you know, even when we strive to not sin, it's going to happen. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So this is telling us that Jesus is our advocate and, and that's a good thing, but what I want us to avoid are some common mistakes that people make. Many people look at the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in, in a erroneous way, in a way that does not line up with Scripture. Many people choose to see God, the Father, uh, and and see Him as this God who's wrathful and um, who's out to get us. And, and then they completely separate that from Jesus of the New Testament who's this uh, loving, caring God who's willing to die for us. And you can't separate them. Uh, the Bible tells us that God is one, uh, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, are one. And so we have to realize that God has always had a good plan for us, that before the world began, when he chose to create man, when he chose to create the, this world and, and its inhabitants, that he did so out of love, and he knew that if he created us and gave us the option to whether to love him back or not, whether to obey him or not, that we would choose to disobey. And yet he still created us with the ability to choose. And of course we did and still do choose to disobey. And that's called sin. And because God is a good God and a just God, he has to do what's right and he has to punish wrong. He has to punish sin. And we see this throughout the, the Bible. And this was true in the Old Testament, but it's still true today. And so God, the Father, uh, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they all decided to create man. They all already had a plan in place for when man sinned. And that plan was that Jesus, the Son, would put on flesh, that he would be born as a man, and that he would never sin, so he would not deserve God's wrath. He would never sin, and he would live a perfect life, and then at the end of his life, he would offer himself up as a sacrifice for the sins of all men. Now, we're going to see that that John in 1 John chapter 2, he uh, confronts this issue. He says that we have this advocate, and then in verse 2 he says, "He, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world." So what does that mean? He is the propitiation for our sins. It means that God is just. So is there have we sinned? Yes. Should our sin be punished? Yes. So the wrath of God is going to be poured out on sin and sinners and it has to to be that way because he is good and just and has to judge wrong. But Jesus said I will pay for those sins. Jesus according to the plan that existed before Jesus was even born uh, into this world, Jesus came and he died for sins and it satisfied the wrath of God. He is the propitiation for our sins. Thank God we can rely on Jesus to satisfy the just right wrath of God. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, we know John has already distinguished between uh, people who are saved and people who are not, people who are in the light and people who are in the darkness. He's already been distinguishing between these two sets of uh, this group, two groups of people. And so, what does this mean that Jesus? Uh, was the propitiation for not for ours only not for our sins only but also for the sins of the world well it means that when christ died on the cross with with the life he lived with a perfect life and even in his death that he made it possible for anyone who would have faith who would put their faith in jesus and follow him he made it possible for anyone to be saved and so He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Verse 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. So here he's trying to give us another method of assurance. How can we know that we are saved? How can we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments? Now this isn't saying keep them perfectly, never sin, we've talked about this. Uh, if we keep his commandments, he's saying that there needs to be a pattern of obedience in our life. There needs to be sanctification, a setting it apart, us being made more into his image. That every day we're becoming a little bit more like Jesus than we were the day before. Now this doesn't mean that it, we never sin or that things go perfectly. Sometimes we backslide and that's when it, we have a need to get right and with our fellowship with God, as we discussed in chapter 1. And we, ha- we we need to ask God to forgive us and confess our sins to Him. Uh, but what this is saying is, if, if we do have love for Jesus, if we do have a passion for Him, and that that love and passion reveals itself through obedience and that there's this pattern of obedience in our life and that when there are moments and exceptions when we sin then we confess those sins then that can be good evidence that we are Christians that we do have a relationship with Jesus that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And that's what verse 3 is saying. Verse 4 says whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And so we see the parallelism here that it if you We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And so you can call yourself a Christian. We can all call ourselves Christians all we want. But if we don't love him, and if that love isn't proven through obedience, if there is not this common pattern of living for him and obeying him in our life, then John says we're liars, that we don't really know him. And so I hope that all of us uh, will allow God to look into our hearts and tell us if there's any sin that he sees. I pray that when God does that, when he speaks to us, that there is conviction from the Holy Spirit. I pray that we confess our sins. And I'm not wanting anyone to doubt their salvation or anything like that if they're truly saved. But if is a big word. And if we do have a relationship with Jesus, if we have been saved, then there needs to be conviction when we sin. There needs to be a desire to live for him and to obey him. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's, it's like it should be 100% of the time, but it should be the common norm in our life, that we love him, we desire to obey him, and we keep his commandments. Uh, verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, In him, truly the love of God is perfected. So here's the great thing. As we're striving to live for him, as we're striving to love him and be obedient to him, as we are obedient, as we are keeping his word, the love of God that is already in us is perfected, which means every day as we obey him, we're made more and more and more into his image. We look more like Jesus. And then he gives us this phrase at the end of verse 5, that gives us more assurance. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So, do you call yourself a Christian? I do. If we call ourselves Christians, we need to be like Jesus. We ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We, now, we don't have to be perfect okay? Jesus was perfect. We can rely on his perfection, but it means that we should strive to be perfect. We should strive to be like him. We should want to walk like him. You know, I talk to people all the time who know right from wrong. They know what they should do, and they just choose not to. They just choose to embrace sin rather than embrace God. They choose to follow their desires rather than God's desires, and that brings up some difficult questions, can we be a Christian and live that way? Well, those are the six verses. And my challenge to you, as if you're listening to this, is um, to look at these verses and to take these things seriously. Let's close with a recap. John was compassionate about these people. He, he loved them. He called them his little children. and And in this letter, he said, I'm writing these things to you for a reason of that they may not sin. So in the same way, let's read this. Let's be encouraged by John's writing, and let's not sin. Let's strive to not sin. But if anyone does sin, when we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And we need to have a healthy understanding of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they are one, that that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all have wrath. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all just. They're all loving. Uh, they're one. And so their plan has been perfect from the beginning. And their plan was for Jesus to be born and to become the propitiation for our sins. That he would pay the penalty of our sins so that we could be set free. And, and not just for ours, but for anyone who will call on his name. Anyone who will put their faith in him. We're told in the Bible that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. We don't deserve it, and it's not by works. It's just the fact that we trust Jesus. We love Jesus. But if we truly have that relationship, if we've been saved, then there will be change. Look at what he says in verse 3, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So if we have a relationship, there should be obedience. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly, the love of God is perfected. So if we are saved and we are striving to live for him, as we live for him each day, the love of God is perfected. That God is going to make us more and more into his image. We're going to be more like him. And and we can know that we are in him by this. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. If you find that you just cannot be like Jesus, no matter how hard you try, you're you're not even you don't even feel like you're on the right path to being like Him. Then maybe you don't have a relationship with Him. Maybe you're not a Christian. And and if that's the case, I really encourage you to talk to someone that you believe does reflect the life of Jesus and does love Jesus, and ask them what needs what needs to happen in my life for me to have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're in here. And you haven't been confessing your sins, and we've been talking about that. And Jesus has been put forth as propitiation for our sins; He has satisfied God's wrath, and we we should rejoice in that. Um, but there's also a need for our fellowship to be made right by us confessing our sins on a continual basis. And so, as we sin, we confess, and let's make sure that we're living for Him and that we're obeying Him. I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this, and um, I hope this fills the gap. I'm sorry that we didn't get the sermon recorded, uh, and I know it was a little different this week, but um, we'll pick right back up next week at, with First John chapter 2, verse 7.